Welcome to Here With Me, Maggie John, a podcast about life stories and lessons learned that asks the question, what got you to the place you find yourself in at this point in your life? Okay, so I know that we usually release new episodes on the 19th of each month, but we had to squeeze in this bonus episode. We are winding down on our first season of Here With Maggie John. When I heard that our next guest was available for an interview, I said, we need to make this happen. We need to just give the people a bonus episode. So I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Okay. So this is my question for you. How are you with boundaries? Do you make it clear to those in your life what the parameters of your relationship are? And, or do you see your boundaries as a bad word and something only mean people adhere to? Well, today I'm sitting down with New York Times bestselling author, Lisa Turkhurst. She's written a brand new book entitled Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. Boundaries is one of those things in my life, among others, that I take very, very seriously. So when I saw that one of my favorite, like all-time favorite authors wrote on this topic, I had to chat with her. As you'll hear in this interview, Lisa and I have met a couple of times. I've interviewed her a couple of times uh, throughout the years, but this is our first conversation since the end of her marriage to her husband, Art, of which she has been very uh, vocal and public about um, on social media. It's a good conversation. And if you struggle with boundaries or if you know someone who has struggled with boundaries, please send them the link to this podcast. And of course, Roxanne Francis is back for Black Girl Chat, and we will continue our conversation on boundaries because I want to hear what the psychotherapist has to say about boundaries, and I know she will have a lot of great advice for us. Hey, before we get started with today's episode, can you do me a favor? Can you subscribe to this podcast? As I said, we're winding down on the first season, and that's just a great way of us figuring out should we do another season? Uh, Is this working? Are people appreciating the conversation and really getting something out of it? So subscription is a great way of gauging that. All right, let's get into today's episode with Lisa Turkers. All right, I am now joined by Lisa Turkers. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's always fun to be with you. It is so fun to be with you. I remember we were just we were just talking about this. Uh, I was at your home a couple of years ago and got to chat with you also in studio when I was hosting 100 Huntley Street. So I I feel like this is we're going to have a good conversation for the next couple of minutes. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think best conversations are when it's just informal and between yeah. friends because I think that's the easiest way to connect. So I'm really excited about yeah. this. Yeah. You have a brand new book. It's called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Losing Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. I love to ask this question, Lisa, before at the beginning of every podcast, uh, being that the the name of the podcast is here and thinking about the moment in which you're sitting right now, how would you describe the place in which you sit right now? Be it spiritually, psychologically, physically, how would you describe that? Um, well, I would say for the first time in a really long time, probably eight to nine years, um, I'm at peace and Mm. that's a really good feeling. Um, physically I'm healthier than I have been in a long time and, um, mentally and spiritually I've done the really hard work to get to where I'm at. And um, it's interesting, you were talking about the subtitle of the book um, and it's actually loving others without losing the best of Uh, who you are. Sorry about that. Oh no, I I kind of liked what um, the the mistake because it it has been a season of loss. It has Mm. been a season of losing others, but I'm determined to make it a season of loving others. So. I am fresh off of, well, really two years past, um, you know, seeing the death of my marriage. And that's really what it was. It was the death of my most precious relationship and not something that I ever thought would happen. And it wasn't because my husband passed away. It's because um, 
he just made some decisions that made the relationship unsustainable. And so it's been hard, but, um, and I don't want to negate any of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just been really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And I won't say, but because, but sometimes negates what was before it. So Mm -hmm. I'll just say, and I've seen the faithfulness of God and I've seen Mm -hmm. how crucial it is to work out your stuff, like work through what you walk through. And my counselor often says that we will, if we don't work things out, we will act things out. Mm. And, you know, I, I want to walk through this and get on the other side of it, um, more healthy than I've ever been. Yeah. I'm sorry I made that mistake. I, I've read the book and I'm sorry I mixed up the S and the and the V. So yes, loving others. Sorry about that, Lisa. Um, I, I've read, I think, almost all of your books, Lisa. And I don't know, I feel like this is probably the most intimate book that you've written. Would you agree? You know, it's kind of fun that you would say that. It It is an intimate book, um, not because I provide a lot of details of what um, happened with my marriage, but because I, I wanted people to see that I understood the depth of their pain, the depth of their struggles. So this is more of a, a self revelation, um, and an admission of a lot of things that I did wrong. And my hope in that is more than being taught at the beginning of the book, I want my readers to feel understood. Mm. And I feel like if they know that I've experienced the depth of struggle with boundaries and the depth of heartbreak over goodbyes, then they'll trust my advice even more. So we do, as you get into the book, you do get into a lot of practical help Mm -hmm. and solid teaching, but you also find a lot of me in the book and my struggles and, and places where I've learned a lot of good lessons, hard lessons, but good lessons. Yeah. And you touch on obviously your relationship with your uh, former husband, but also uh, with friendships that you've gone through. And, and and I guess that's what I meant by intimate, just, you know, peeling back the layers of even struggles that you've had in navigating through relationships, which I think, you know, just, um, I mean, you've always written just with your full soul and your full heart. And I just, I think that's why so many people appreciate your voice, Lisa. Um, But yeah, I just felt like this was another layer to understanding, getting to know you a little bit better. You say that the seduction of your former husband's addictions had captured him and that you knew you were not talking to the man that you loved anymore. um, And that was hard and that you had kind of gone through a time of struggling to save him again and again. When did you realize that you couldn't be his savior? You couldn't keep saving him? Such a good question. And I always want to be very honoring and let his story be his Mm -hmm. story. And and maybe one day he will share his story. But for me, it wasn't just with him. It, It was with so many people that I was struggling on this spectrum of people pleasing to enabling to trying to save people. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is I don't just people please to try to keep another person happy. I don't just try to rescue them because they want to be rescued. I don't try to save them because they um, need to be saved. I, I think there's something deeper going on. I think I want to keep people safe and happy because that is part of my DNA. That is how I'm wired. I'm naturally that way. But also, if I'm brutally honest, it's not just about keeping them happy and safe. It's about my fear that they are providing something to me that I fear I won't be okay if they take it away. We will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. And so sometimes when we're saving people, it's out of true care and concern. And sometimes it's because we can't stand the thought of them, potentially their consequences, not just staying with them, but being severe for us. And we fear that if we don't save them, then we'll lose something that we just can't stand to lose. And it's not just that person, it's what that person provides for us. Yeah. 
that leads right into my next question. You say in your book, and I thought this is like, there's so many mic drops (laughs) in the book, Lisa, so many great lines. But you said, uh, you cannot build trust that keeps getting broken. And you kept hoping things would change, not just, again, with your relationship with art, but also uh, relationship with friends. When did you realize that clear boundaries needed to be made in these relationships? Well, I always say, if you want to know a relationship where you need some boundaries, look for the chaos. Yeah. And wherever there's relational chaos, there's usually a lack of boundaries. So it's really important that we pay attention to the the chaos. And when I say chaos, I mean, where are we dancing with dysfunction? Where are we, where are we minimizing the best of who we are to try and cover up the worst of who they are? Where are we telling half truths to our friends about what's really going on in a relationship? Hmm. And where are those areas that we're calling things normal that deep down inside of us, we know they are not normal. And when we hit that spot of saying, I just don't know that I can take any more of this. I, I just don't know how much more of this I can take. And, you know, this is making me feel crazy. Whenever you start saying some of those, that's an indication of relational chaos. Oh. And boundaries are the answer so that you don't swing to extremes of either fully entering into the dysfunction and living that way, that's one extreme, or just completely walking away, that's another extreme. Boundaries help us come to that middle ground where we can have some healthy conversation and have a healthy understanding that, that I am in charge of me. I, I can exercise self-control, but I cannot control or change another person. Mm, so good. You know, my next question is, how did boundaries or even that word become kind of a bad word? You talk about, you know, as being a good Christian, feeling like, you know, you're not supposed to talk about boundaries. You're not supposed to create some of those parameters in your life. When did it become such a bad word in our in Christian circles? I think we we don't have spiritual confidence to understand that boundaries aren't just a good idea. They're God's idea. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have spiritual confidence that it's okay for us to draw boundaries and it already feels awkward to communicate boundaries and sometimes difficult to hold our boundaries without that spiritual confidence, we will not stand firm in healthy decisions that need to be made. So isn't it fascinating that of all the subjects that God could have covered in that very first recorded conversation with man, he chose the topic of boundaries and he did it within the context of freedom. Because when we know where the boundary lines are, what is acceptable, what's not acceptable, then we have true freedom to operate and love. And that relationship can experience the freedom of just true connection between two humans. But then he also established the boundary. We see that God did it not for restriction, but for protection. Hmm. He was trying to protect Adam from the knowledge of evil, the knowledge of good and evil. And the knowledge of evil is too heavy of a burden for the human heart to bear. So he was trying to protect Adam from that. And of course, we know that then Adam violated the boundary and where sin starts happening, chaos starts happening. And as we progress through the Bible, isn't it fascinating that in Genesis, we had one boundary, one Mm -hmm. rule. But by the time we get to the law and the prophets, there's 613, some scholars say. So you can see where sin increases, then you have chaos that increases and the need for more boundaries increases. And yet you say that by creating boundaries, that doesn't mean that we lose compassion. And sometimes people think, oh, if you create boundaries, that means you don't care about the person. Compassion is is probably the primary reason why you create boundaries. Exactly. Our motivation for every boundary must be to seek each other's highest good. Hmm. And in order for me to do that, I have to remain self-controlled. And if I want the best version of myself to be brought into the relationship, if I want to be loving and kind and compassionate and long-suffering, thoughtful, all of those things, then 
I can't allow myself to get so worn out and so worn down because I'm hyperextending myself due to a lack of boundaries. Otherwise, I run the risk of becoming snippy, anxious, frustrated, resentful. And I know I'm not that kind of person. One time I opened up my journal and I wrote down, this is who I am. And mm -hmm. I wrote down the qualities that I know God designed me to demonstrate. And then I asked myself, where am I the opposite of this? Where, where am I living in conflict with how I'm really wired and, and who I desire to be? And that helped me identify some places, again, where there was relational chaos and it wasn't bringing out the best in me. And I can't control another person, but I am in charge of controlling myself. Yeah. So the motivation for a boundary should be love. It should not be punishment, control, or manipulation. Yeah. I love those I am statements. I also did that probably about a year ago, Lisa. I wrote in my journal, just I am loved, like all of the I ams, so that when people will, you know, tell you what they think of you and give their opinions, that you can go back and remind yourself of who God sees you as. And wow, like when I read that in your book, I thought, yep, it does uh, it does a body good when you're reading that, just to remind yourself and center yourself on that. You talk a lot also about access, access to people and being wise about who you give access to. Speak about uh, that. And, you know, you share the story of a friend that you had to kind of, you say some people, you know, you you give 10% uh, access, but they really only deserve 3% access. How do you figure that out? Well, there's two crucial words to think about, access and responsibility. Hmm. So to the level that we give someone access to us, and that's financially, physically, emotionally, relationally. To the level that we give someone access to us, they need to bring that same level of responsibility to properly handle that kind of access. Uh, if we give yeah. level 10 response, I mean, if we give level 10 access to someone, but they only demonstrate level three responsibility, the distance between there, that's where the chaos and the lack of boundaries can be found. So we can try to have a conversation with that person and, and request that they raise their responsibility to match the level of access. But if they're unwilling or incapable of anything more than a level three, us trying to put a boundary on them using external pressure to force them to make what should be an internal decision, it's not going to work. We can possibly create temporary behavior modification using external pressure on another person, but not true lasting heart change. So if we can't make the other person lift up their area of responsibility and the responsibility that they demonstrate, the only choice we have at that point is to create a boundary around ourselves and in that situation and reduce the access that we grant them down to the level of responsibility that they're willing and capable of demonstrating. So how do you have that conversation? I know you've, you tried that a couple of times with some friends that you document in the book, but it can be a very hard conversation to have with somebody because I'm the type of person where it's like, let's just talk about it, deal with it, figure out how this can work. And if it can't, you can't, you know, I'm, I'm now in my forties. I'm like, I don't have time to play games uh, with friendships. And so how do you have that conversation where yeah, you talk to somebody about just the access level, maybe not in those words, but just creating those boundaries. So let me show you, we're going to flip the table here yeah. and we're going to, I'm going to interview you for a second. Uh -oh. Is that okay? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Confession time with Maggie. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do you have a bank account? I do. Do you have a security code or passcode on your bank account? Yes. Why? Why do you have that? So that uh, I have access to my money and nobody else does. Right. Because you don't have limitless funds in your bank account, right? Right. Right. And that doesn't make you unkind or unchristian. That makes you human. Hmm. So... Yeah. 
you not giving the passcode out to anybody, like today, if I said, Maggie, will you give out your bank account information and the passcode so that we can all have unlimited access to your money? What would you say? <laughs> no, I love you, no. Lisa, but no. <laughs> you see how easily that came for you? So yeah. see, you're already really good at this. Yeah. Because you know that, that, not everybody would be responsible with the limited amount of resources you have in your bank account. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you have a boundary to not, not because you're a mean person, not because you're an unchristian person, but because you very much recognize only God is limitless. Yeah. You are limited. And it's not because you're unkind or unchristian. It's because you're human. Yeah. We know this with our bank account access, but we forget this concept of limited capacity with other areas of our life. Mm -hmm. And you were so easily able to say no to me when I wanted unlimited access to your bank account because you're responsible. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people, and I've had to do this myself, um, take a look at the capacity of your life. Take a look at your time capacity. Take a look at your relational capacity. Take a look at your emotional capacity. And it is okay to say, I do not have that to give. I do not have the emotional capacity to get into a conversation that I already know is going to be around some political subject that's polarizing and there's going to be angst mm -hmm. at best, or there's going to be a division and confrontation at worst. And if you don't have the emotional capacity, it's okay for you to say, I do not have that to give right now. Yeah. With your time capacity, it's okay to say, my heart says yes, yes, yes. But the reality of my time right now means this is a no. So good. You also say we have the right to communicate what makes us feel respected, disrespected, safe, and unsafe. And I think about that, Lisa, and I think you also have to be um, just aware of what makes you feel all of those things. And I don't know if we're all self-aware about what makes us feel respected and, and not respected, safe and unsafe. So how do we get to be self-aware? And then how do you communicate that then to others? That's a really good question. It's a really important question. So in my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, I provide a lot of lists of things to consider. I'm not going to tell people how to think mm -hmm. about what is safe because what is safe to me may not be the full explanation of what makes you feel safe. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell people how to think, but I'm going to give everyone who reads this book a lot to think about. And these lists and kind of self-reflection quizzes and self-reflection opportunities will hit the pause button on our life and help us consider things that sometimes busyness prevents us from being aware of. Hmm. Yeah. On um, page 49, you say, I'm not honoring Jesus when I give permission for the other person to act in ways that Jesus never would. Another mic drop there. Um, I remember you saying once in an interview with me um, that we don't deserve to accept people's scraps and or don't need to accept people's scraps. And, and this kind of reminds me of that statement you made. How many times do we do that? We give permission for people to treat us certain ways, and yet Jesus never treats us. It goes back to those I am statements that we've made about ourselves, but yet we just allow people just to treat us the way that they want to. Yeah. And, you know, I'm always sensitive with this because in situations of abuse, and that can be emotional yeah. abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse. I don't know necessarily that, that the person being abused is saying that this is okay. They may be caught in a trap where they're afraid or maybe even confused about what to do with this. So take those destructive situations and, and, and just know that it's not your fault that mm -hmm. you're being abused. And I just, I think that's really important to say, because yeah. there's a big difference between a difficult relationship and a destructive relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So in a difficult relationship though, where we are allowing behaviors to continue 
that are disrespectful and demeaning and hurtful to us, we need to recognize that we have the right to stand up and to say, this is no longer permissible. We must not confuse the good command to love with the bad behavior of enabling. And if we don't express what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, in essence, sometimes we are enabling difficult realities in our relationship and it's not doing us any favors, but it's not doing that other person any favors either because we know that that's not the best for them to act that way. And it's not the best for us to live in that challenging dynamic. So, and when I say enabling, I don't mean that you've necessarily given permission for the other person to treat you that way. Mm. I mean, you've allowed the behavior to continue so long that we start to get used to our own dysfunctions. And sometimes we start calling dysfunctional behavior normal. And when we call it normal, that is kind of enabling it to continue. Yeah. And you see that also uh, in physical manifestations. Sometimes stress comes out in so many ways in our body. Our body is rejecting this stress. And you talk about uh, in your book, a doctor telling you as he was examining you that it looked like you'd been hit by a bus with all that you had gone through. You had kind of journeyed uh, and 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 described some of that online uh, with your your cancer diagnosis, and I you know I remember your colon issue as well. How did you how did you handle that and just journey through that with the amount of physical manifestations that was coming out through your per- personal story? Well, it was really telling. And it forced me to face the reality that trauma is not just something that happens to us Hmm. and comes at us. It's something that happens inside of us. And the emotional trauma, I'm absolutely convinced, was presenting itself in physical realities Hmm. that I've never had before. I'd never had these kinds of physical health challenges. But when I was going through so much emotional devastation, it, um, it was having a tremendous effect on my body. And, um, you know, our body knows when we're experiencing trauma and it responds to trauma. And a lot of the responses that my body had were life-threatening. And certainly my colon issue, I had to have most of my colon removed and then I'd barely healed from that when I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this is one reason that I think it's so important to pay attention to boundaries. I was letting the emotional trauma happen over and over and over. And I was refusing to create enough space and enough distance for my body to heal before another traumatic thing hit me. And I thought that I just you know, in my mind, I I was just thinking there's nothing I can do. I felt extremely powerless. I look back now and I say, you know what, when you know better, you do better. So I have Mm -hmm. a lot of compassion on myself, but I can tell you now I've grown and matured and I've recognized I do have the power to accept reality and create enough space and distance from someone that's creating emotional trauma in my life to where it doesn't destroy me in the process. You know, sometimes we hear verses like Jesus saying, we need to forgive 70 times seven. And we think that forgiveness and reconciliation work hand in hand. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a command by God, but reconciliation is dependent on so many factors. And I now know that If I am in a relationship where I would have to forgive that person 70 times seven, that probably means that this other person has some some activities or some attitudes or some propensities that are not healthy for me. Mm -hmm. So Jesus doesn't mean to stand there and just get abused over and over and over as you forgive 70 times seven. Look at the nature of the compassion of Jesus that he had on people who were being traumatized. And I believe Jesus would want us to create enough distance from that person. If they never change, 
that we can forgive them 70 times seven without getting destroyed in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiving. Uh, you know, I was, I was, yeah, I can go on a tangent about that one too, Lisa, because, you know, even the, the statement forgiving but not forgetting, I think has power in it as well. You can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean you have to continue to be in that same space with the person. You can you can move on and, and walk away. And uh, and there's there's uh, there's a lot of healthiness in that. You know, you uh, talk about us. You have a story in the book about growing up in school, and uh, and if you can describe, you know, seeing your name on the board and the red and the yellow and the green tag under under it, and now realizing as a woman that that's where your idea of not wanting to disappoint people. Um, being the fear of being wrongly labeled. I think a lot of women, we, we struggle through that as well. How did just kind of reflecting on that, I'll let you tell the story, um, help you in growing um, as a daughter of God, but also in creating boundaries and creating healthy relationships? Yes. So when I was in elementary school, there was a board up front, a beautiful bulletin board, and the teacher had everyone's name and attached to everyone's name, there was a red card, a yellow card, and a green card. You wanted to stay on the green card. If you got in trouble, then the teacher would shift it to the yellow card. And if you got in trouble repeatedly, then your card shifted to red and you were sent to the principal's office. Mm. So I'm a rule follower and that's just how I'm wired. I didn't just get upset or fear going to yellow or red cards. I was terrified of it because to me, it was a statement about who I am, not just what I did. And so I lived in this constant fear of doing something wrong. And where it got complicated is I could control my actions and I could follow the rules so that my card never got shifted to green. But there were some kids in the classroom who just thought it was hilarious to put people like me, rule followers, in situations where it gave the appearance that I was breaking the rules. Hmm. And so they would often create dynamics where they would lie to the teacher or set up some scenario to make me look like I had done something that I hadn't done. And because there was a whole group of them and they could cooperate each other's story, it was really hard to fight against. So I lived in this absolute terror of being misunderstood or wrongly labeled. And I'd forgotten about this classroom dynamic until I was writing this book and I was thinking about how much we fear setting boundaries because we fear that someone will misunderstand us and wrongly label us. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of that classroom situation. And I thought, what would I, as a mature adult, say to that child standing in front of that board, terrified of the yellow card and the green card, terrified that I would be wrongly labeled and misunderstood. And so I gave myself, my little girl self, a little talk and I thought that same advice I'm giving her is the advice that I need today. Mm. That just because someone says something does not make it true. And just because someone tries to put a label on you, that may be more of an indication of their brokenness than your brokenness. Yep. Now, certainly if the criticism is helpful, then take it as helpful. But if it's harmful, then keep it where it is. Consider the source and let it go and trust that your character is strong enough to stand on its own. And look, if someone's going to reject you because you draw a boundary, if someone's going to walk away from you because you draw a healthy boundary, chances are that person is going to reject you and walk away eventually. Mm -hmm. It's just your choice whether or not to stay intact by creating healthy boundaries. Yeah. We're winding down, and I, I I love what you said here in in that chapter. We will always desperately want from others what we fear we will never get from God. There's this fear component, and again, it goes back to what we were saying about just continuing to take stuff from people 
Um, and you're right. I mean, sometimes there's good, healthy criticism that we have to take, but this fear that that God is going to leave us and abandon us, so we continue to just have this desire to be needed by people. It really is, and I think when I so I'll just do confession time, Lisa, confession yeah. time. Yeah. I um. I think it's a lot easier sometimes to try to get from other people the kind of acceptance that we need to get from God. Mm. No other human can make us feel fully accepted, right all of our wrongs, fill up all of our insecurities. No human can do that. Now we can help each other. We can love each other. We can have compassion on one another. But when we shift from desiring those things from other people to demanding those things from Mm -hmm. other people, that's an indication that we're expecting that person in essence to be like God in our life. And so I've been challenging myself to live from a place of love, Mm. not hustle for love from other people. And if I live from a place of love, then that means I can walk into a crowded room where I feel awkward and I'm looking to see like, where's the bathroom? Because if this gets too awkward, I'm going to have to go hide in the bathroom. And instead of walking in, hoping someone else will come up and make me feel comfortable and make me feel accepted. Why not walk in that room living from a place of love and acceptance because I am loved and accepted by God and start looking for another person who needs that assurance. So instead of living for somebody else to do that for me, I walk into that room full of the love and acceptance of God and I start giving that to other people. And it's a much more satisfying place and and way to live. Okay, Lisa, I'm going to go on a little tangent and I know we have five minutes left, so I'm going to make this quick. The reason why I wore my loved shirt, I don't know if you can see it, it says loved on it, is because of you. And because of your book, Uninvited, Lisa, because that is probably my biggest takeaway from all of your writings is living loved. And I will tell you, I actually have it tattooed on my arm. That's how much it actually resonated with me, is the reminder of living love. So that was my birthday gift this year. Uh, At 43 years old, I said to my husband, I just want a tattoo and I want it to say live loved because it needs to be a a reminder to actually to walk into a room. And I, I mean, your ears probably burn because I talk about this all the time in every interview I get, how much your book Uninvited changed my life in walking into rooms and just living that, just presently like acknowledging that I am loved by God. So thank you. Thank you for that message. And it has resonated in my life so much. And I try to share it with others uh, as much as I as I can get I, I can. So yeah, it's a it's a message I think we all need to hear, and especially women for sure. Well, thank you so much. That means so much to me. I want a picture of your tattoo. So yeah, you can take a picture and send it to me. I will. I'll send it to you. Okay. We have a couple minutes left and I want to talk about goodbyes. So we talked a lot about boundaries and your book is Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. Um, Yeah, that's hard. It's hard to say goodbye. When do you realize, you said, um, I'm I'm starting to realize that sometimes for good to happen, goodbyes have to happen first. Some goodbyes are for a season and some are forever. When do you realize that it's time to say goodbye? I want to make sure to just say we don't do it quickly. We Mm -hmm. take steps, not leaps. And we probably need to get other wise people around us. Don't try to go at it alone. And definitely asking the Holy Spirit to guide you every step of the way. Hmm. We don't want to just flippantly start ghosting our parents or not returning calls to friends or divorcing our spouses because the relationship gets difficult. Relationships are going to be difficult and that's a good call to work on the dynamics of that relationship. But back to that access and responsibility, if there's a consistent pattern, not just a mistake. We all make mistakes, but if there's a consistent pattern of this person being 
absolutely irresponsible with the access that we've given them and their responsibility is at a zero, then we will eventually need to consider possibly for a season or maybe longer that their access needs to be a zero. And again, it's not because we're selfish. It's because we recognize that God has called us to love, but love should be what draws us together, not what tears us apart. And in order for us to stay the kind of person that we want to stay, um, we can't get so worn down and so frazzled in these relationships. And so I had to say for me, it was too hard to say I was walking away. I had to say, I'm just accepting reality. And it took a long time to accept reality in some of my relationships, but mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And I'm determined that I'm going to stay healthy and help cannot bond with unhealth. And so either if we're in an unhealthy situation and that other person is being so irresponsible with the access we've given them, either we're going to have to become as unhealthy as them, or we're going to have to make some challenging and hard decisions. All right. We're going to have to end it there. I'm going to get the title right this time, Lisa. (laughs) Good boundaries and goodbyes. Loving others without losing the best of who you are. It is always a pleasure chatting with you, Lisa. Thank you uh, for writing so honestly, um, allowing us into your journey so that we can be better. I believe that's what the kingdom of God is. It's not about branding. It's about how do we make the kingdom better? And you have done that time and time again through your books. So thank you. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank you so much. It's always a joy to see you. And I definitely want a picture of your love. All right, it's time for a black girl chat. Hey, Roxanne. Hey, lady, how's it going? Good. So we are talking about boundaries today. Actually, one of my favorite topics to talk oh, about. Wow. <laughs> I love I love talking about boundaries. And you know, when I have the opportunity to mentor younger women specifically, mm-hmm. I always talk that's always my first thing that I talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Um is about having healthy boundaries and learning that early on in your career and your life, yes. because that will direct you for betterment in just like mentally and physically and just how you go about living f- like fully yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so what are your thoughts about boundaries? Is it something that you love to talk about as much as I do? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it definitely comes up a lot um, in my work and it's something that, yeah. um, I continue to work through personally. I think I have a better handle mm-hmm. on it now that I'm older. It's so mm-hmm. interesting that you said that we have to learn about it when when we're younger. And it's not something yeah. that I think was ever discussed when I was in my early 20s. You know, there mm-hmm. is um there are some uh Caribbean euphemisms that I hear from time to time. Um there is this one thing that I, I grew up well, I grew up in, in Jamaica, as you know, and yeah. Yeah. um my mom and her friends used to always say the statement. Uh, liberty comes through carelessness. And oh, it, I've never heard that one. Okay, liberty comes through carelessness. If you yeah. are too carefree with your boundaries, people take liberties with you. Yeah. Right. And yes. when I was a little girl, I was like, "What the heck does that mean?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as I've gotten older, I was like, "Yes, you are absolutely right." Mm-hmm. And so we have to be mindful that people don't take liberties with us. And and um, one of the things that I I'm mindful of now in my own personal life and I walk through uh, clients in their journey is um, you don't have to feel guilty around yes. setting boundaries and that you are not responsible for people's reaction when you yep. put boundaries in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always say that. I, um, Yeah. I think about the fact that like you give permission to people on how they treat exactly. you. Exactly. And, uh, and I remember once talking to a young woman about that and she was like, permission, what does that mean? I'm like, you, you teach people how to treat you. 
and how you respond to them is teaching them how to treat yep. you. And that's a part of boundaries as well. And I think sometimes when we think of boundaries, we also think of like time, which is also very important. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in your life is just setting time. But I remember you saying something on one of our black girl chats about like, just because I'm accessible. Yes. Right? What was your... Just I, because I, just, I, I am... Oh, how did it go? Just because I'm available... Yes. Doesn't mean that I... Oh, what did I say? Just because... Oh, just, because just, just because I'm available doesn't mean I have the capacity. Yes. Yes. Right? And I think about that, like, that's just such a wise boundary line, too, is just, like, even knowing your capacity right, level right. for some people and and time and just what you like. And, and also you tell me, Roxanne, like I have found over my 43 years of living on this earth, there are some people that when I'm around them, it doesn't bring out the best in me. And so I have learned that I don't need to be around those certain people. And that's a boundary call and God bless them. They're a sister, a brother in Mm -hmm. Christ, but that doesn't mean that I need to be around them at that particular time because it doesn't bring the best out of me. And that means that I'm not being used in the fullest of what God wants to use me for. Exactly. And I think that's healthy. It's totally healthy. And I think we have to work on, and we probably have talked about this before, but we have to work on self-awareness as people. Our bodies are made in such amazing ways. Excuse me. Our bodies are are made in such amazing ways. We have to pay attention yeah. To what goes on in our bodies, our physical reactions to things, our yeah. mental reactions to things. When your phone rings and you look and you see that it's such and such, if you yep. take a deep breath and you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. right, then you know that this is someone that you don't need to spend a lot of time around. Yeah. Right. If you yeah. feel exhausted and drained when you spend a long amount of time with somebody, uh, you get defensive, you get angry, then you need yep. to know that you need to spend limited amounts of time with this person. I also yeah. say to people, every time you say yes to other things, we say no to something else. Yes. Right? That's good. Every time we say yes, yes to someone else's demand, we say no to ourselves a little mm-hmm. bit, ourselves, our family, mm-hmm. our rest. Right? And, and, and that might be the case sometimes when I say, Yes to you, I might say no to playing Scrabble with my kids. But mm-hmm. if it's a yes to you and a no to them, then it's intentional. Right? Yeah. I know that every Thursday we play Scrabble, whatever. But if you call me with a crisis, I'm going to say to them, yeah. you need to play with daddy tonight because mommy has something to take care of. Right? Yeah. And I do that intentionally. Yeah. But sometimes we just mindlessly say yes to everything to our own detriment. Boundaries yeah. are healthy. Yeah. And that's a part of the people pleasing, right? That yes. I think all of us have a little bit of that. Yeah. And as some of us have that more than others. Um, you're so right. I also think too, and we can, oh, this is a topic <laughs> I can go on, on, on with. <laughs> because I also think like boundaries is, it's not a bad I don't know how many letters are in boundaries, but it's not a bad word. Not. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think sometimes when people say, oh, boundary, like, oh, you're saying no to mm-hmm. so-and-so. And I think that's also created within faith circles mm-hmm. as well. I mean, we come from a, a Christian yeah. uh, world knowledge. So we're, you know, we're coming from that perspective, but I, I assume that maybe that's the same in other faith groups as well. But almost a sense of like, oh, you can't say can't you know, say no. Give to everything. to a faith opportunity, yes. to a a spiritual opportunity. It's like, yeah, you, you can, can because again, like it's not necessarily my thing. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 God is calling me to that, then yes. But if He's not, then I can clearly say no mm-hmm. to that. And again, that's a, about creating space. And I think that, I, and you know, let's talk really briefly about even creating boundaries within our family yes. as well, because I don't think that's talked enough about, like. You, we talk about like, you know, outside people getting in and circles and all of those things and work. But I think even creating boundaries boundaries within your yeah. family and having time to spend by yourself, yeah. having time for even your partner, your spouse to be able to spend time by themselves yeah. and you by yourself is crucial. Yeah. It's so funny. The other night, um, my husband was tired um, and he went to bed unusually early. And yeah. my kids are like, is that he's sick? <laughs> 
that is resting. <laughs> it's okay for you to get some yeah. rest, right? And just teaching them yeah. that it's okay for your parents to pull aside. Sometimes they need time from yes. you. Parenting is hard. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, and you have two little boys, so teaching them that it's okay to rest, yes. it's okay to yes. take a break, yes. it's okay to take time and be by yes. yourself. You don't always have to be yes. surrounded by right. your family. My all the oldest time. is approaching adolescence, and my younger son, you know, he just eats and breathes his his brother's shadow. And sometimes yeah. his brother just wants time alone in his room to read yeah. without his younger brother. And I'm like, okay, give him some space. Can you go color, play with yeah. some Legos? Let's go for a walk. He needs time for himself, right? And yeah. just teaching them that it's okay to create space for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? I always think of, uh, and I can't remember exactly where in the Bible, uh, where Jesus was in the crowd and everybody was asking him, and then he stepped away. He actually walked yes. away from the crowd. And I remember somebody using that as an example of how God, how Jesus, you know, God incarnate walked away and said, I need space, right? Like, you know, and we think of that, like, again, this idea that it's a bad thing. It's like, no, we need time. We We need need space. We need boundaries. And that that is the, if somebody in your life is modeling that, see that as a good thing Mm -hmm. and not as something of like, you know, of a detriment Mm -hmm. and maybe something that we can watch and model as well. And so appreciate uh, Lisa writing a book about this because I feel like yeah, we need to hear this more and more that boundaries, and she says in her book too, boundaries are of God. Yes. Like God created boundaries. Yeah. And, uh, and and you know what? On that note too, I think boundaries can be a bad thing mm-hmm. at certain times. Mm-hmm. Like I think isolation yeah. is not good, yes. right? Like if you were at the point where like, I'm all about my boundaries and you're totally cutting everybody yeah. off, then that's not a good yeah. thing because we are not created to be alone. We need to be flourishing in community. So don't hear this as us saying, yes, you know, hide yourself in a mountain and <laughs> never come out. And never come out. But all we're saying is like, just as as you said, Roxanne, listening to your body, knowing when it's time to walk away mm-hmm. and what is healthy. When you've given too much of something mm-hmm. to the point where you don't even have time to be creative or to think of other things, then maybe you've been enthralled in something a little too long. Right, right. And there are times, like you said, you know, knowing when to connect with people, knowing when to pull away. I spend a lot of time with my work and my family, but there are times when I need my girls, right? And that's okay too, right? I think um, God in his wisdom, even in creation, he created boundaries. Mm -hmm. He did Mm -hmm. certain work on certain days and he rested on the seventh day, right? It's it's okay to, to, it's a dance, right? It's okay to step in and step out. Right. It's that's yes. that's a, a really good, healthy way, I think, of existing. So good. All right. Thanks again, Roxanne. Thank you for checking out here with me, Maggie John. I want to thank our guests today, Lisa Turkhurst and Roxanne Francis for joining me. Hey, check out our Instagram page here with Maggie for more great content. We're all on a journey. Let's learn from each other. Again, please subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode or even bonus episodes as we saw today. And a reminder that new episodes do drop usually on the 19th of every month. Hope to see you here next time.